0: As you're taking a seat, we'll allow our children to be dismissed to Children's Church at this time. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn in uh, the book of 1 Peter this morning. 1 Peter is where we're going to be at. Doesn't our praise team do awesome? Amen. Amen. They didn't even get to practice this week because those violent storms came through on Thursday. Uh, actually, Brother Mitch and Miss Felisa, they they were here at the church building whenever the rain started coming in and the hell started coming down. And they said, okay, uh, they told the rest of the team not to worry about coming in um, and, and braving that weather. And then they got to uh, they got to hold up here in the church building, which is always a fun place to be whenever it's empty. Have you ever been in an empty church building? It's it's super super not creepy at all. Uh, it's like really great. Uh, no, but uh, they, uh, they endured it. Uh, gladly, those storms were just pretty quick. Of course, uh, y'all woke up this morning, and I'm sure y'all saw a bunch of downed limbs and leaves around. Uh, we got just on the outside of that storm that rolled through yesterday, and so thankful we were on the outside of it, but uh, always uh, always uh, kind of amazing to see uh, just, uh, just how the weather, even just the wind, the, the lightning, all that, uh, how that... Uh, just the power and force of that. And think about this. In ancient days, right, that's that's what they would look at and they would go, man, there is something to this. There's a force, there's a power, there's a dynam- dynamism beyond just the wind, beyond the lightning, beyond the thunder, uh, beyond the waves and, uh, and they would look up into the heavens and say, man, there's something there. And, uh, our good God has took, that, uh, took that, uh, that, that intuition that people had, and he didn't just let us try to figure it out ourselves. Our good God began to reveal himself in this world, uh, begin to uh, speak to people, to lead people, and then ultimately he's revealed himself to this world in the person of Jesus Christ. That's his goodness that, uh, that he's done this. And so this morning, as we're gathered here today, we're going to look at scripture. We're going to consider our liberating King Jesus. And let's just remember that the only reason why we can do this is because God didn't want to leave that intuitive uh, supposition that we had. Man, there has to be something. He didn't want to want to leave that up to us just to figure out all by ourselves. In his goodness, he wanted to reveal the truth to us. And so with that, let's bow before the Lord today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, we pray and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you're the God who speaks to us, who shows us who you are. Uh, Lord, here's what we know is that um, when we look around this world and we we, we we can even see it throughout Scripture and we can see it throughout uh, world religions, Lord. Lord, when we try to when we try to answer that question, who is God, we, we fall short. Uh, one of the reasons why we fall short is because, Lord, when we think about who you are, we always think that you are, uh, we think you're nastier than you are. Uh-huh. We think that uh, you're not good and loving as, as part of your character. We, we believe that you have to be cajoled you have to be convinced you have to be bought off but lord you've revealed to us especially in your son jesus that that's not the case you've revealed to us in jesus that uh, you just flat out love us and there's nothing that we could do there's no there, there's no statement that we could say to to get you to love us there's no there's no ritual that we could do to get you to love us and to care for us and to uh to be merciful to us. Uh, Lord, there's not an amount of money that we could give. Uh, Lord, in your son Jesus, while we were yet sinners, you showed us your love. And Jesus showed us his love by dying. By dying for us, Lord. So thank you, God. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would just be with us as we go to your word today. We pray that you would, uh, you would lead us, you would speak to us, you would guide us, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray for me. Um, I have this awesome privilege and responsibility to stand before people and to 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 uh, teach your word and to uh, re- help reveal who you are, your character. Lord, I pray that I would do that well. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, your spirit would uh, fill me so that uh, everything that I say is is good it's trustworthy it's true uh, and that i won't say anything that doesn't need to be said this morning Uh, lord i pray and i ask that you would just be with each and every one of us that we would receive that which you have for us Uh, lord i pray and i ask these things in christ's mighty resurrected name Amen. amen Last week, we began in uh, the book of 1 Peter, and what we are uh, considering as we get into the book of 1 Peter is now our identity. Uh, let me just ask you, how do you identify yourself? Identity is a big question in our society. We find people identifying themselves uh, in various ways, uh, by their gender, by their race, by their ethnicity, by their nationality. Uh, some about their political ideology, right? There's all these ways that people identify themselves. And, and if we think about it, most of the times people identify themselves in relation to something about themselves. Like it would make sense that I was born in America and I, 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 I'm, I'm ethnically, you know, white or Caucasian and, um, you know, I was raised conservative. So, so I identify as a white American male conservative, right? I could identify myself that way. But that's me identifying myself in relation to my self, right? Peter is going to uh, introduce to us as he greets the disciples that he's writing to, not to identify themselves in relation to themselves, but to identify themselves in relation to God. And we looked at that last week, and, and that identity would be chosen. Now, um, we're going to explain a little bit more about that in just a minute for those of you who weren't with us last week. But, but the other way that Peter wants us to identify ourselves or how he identifies the disciples there, and, and because he identified them that way, we want, to kind of, we want to glean some understanding about identifying ourselves as disciples of Jesus. It's not only in relation to God, but how do you identify yourself in relation to this world? Do you find yourself at home in this world? Hey, man, this is my place. These are my people. Do you find yourself uh, at odds with this world? Uh, Do you find yourself longing for an ideological past? Man, uh, uh, times, they are a changing right? Things aren't like they used to be. Do you find yourself like longing for a, for, for, for for transformation, for a future of this world in in, in fighting for that transformation through the world's systems, through the offering that the, the systems, the governances that this world offers, right? We find people in our culture, I, I would say those last two things, that's, I would identify a lot of people in our culture go, that's what we need to do. There's people, especially probably right here in in, in our current cultural context who are going, man, like this used to be my home, but it's not my home anymore. And then they're going, but we we need to get it back to what it was. We need to make it what it once was. And how are we going to do that? Well, let's get the right uh, legislation. Let's get the right government uh, Government in there. Let, let's, let's, let's fight through these systems. But here's what y'all should know. There's also people on the other side of the spectrum who are like, this, this place has never really been our home, but it has the promise to be our home. And in the same way, they're going, we need to get the right government, the right systems in place. Even if we have to burn down the system that is in place and, and, and erect a new one. We need to get the right systems in place in this world so that this place can be what we want it to be. But here's how Peter identifies the disciples in relation to this world. He identifies them as exiles. As exiles. We're going to talk about that today as well. Uh, So... Let's kind of review a little bit. Let's review a little bit about last week. Last week we said uh, we find ourselves as the chosen. Brother, Will, will you bring up the uh, first passage of Scripture for those who don't have their Bibles with them? I want you all to see how we get this out of the text. We're not bringing this to the text. We're getting this out of the text. So this is uh, 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Then he says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Just so that we can do this, uh, this is in the King James Version. Uh, Some of y'all aren't familiar with the King James Version, and uh, y'all read other uh, translations, and that's awesome. So let's read it through. This is another translation. This is God's Word translation, um, and it says, From Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's chosen people, who are temporary residents in the world, and are scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you long ago and chose you to live holy lives with the Spirit's help so that you are obedient to Jesus Christ and are sprinkled with his blood. May goodwill and peace fill your lives. Uh, Brother Will, you can bring up the last slide again. No, 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 the first uh, passage slide, sorry. Y'all give Brother Will a hand. He's doing a great job back there. Everybody needs a little rose every now and then, Brother Will. So, last week, we really dug into the idea of we are chosen. We get this word from the word that is translated as a let right there in verse number two of First Peter chapter 1. Uh, verse one and two, elect. It is the Greek word eklektos, and it is throughout the New Testament used. But what we should understand about this term is that this term, this term, and, and elect can mean elect or chosen, but this term was originally attributed to the Israelites. And so what Peter is doing is it, it's, he's not just talking to Jews who are now Christians. He's, he's, he's actually speaking into, uh, uh, into Asia Minor, Upper Asia Minor, and there are, there's a mixture. There's, there's Jew, Jews who, are, who have trusted in Jesus, and there are Gentiles who have trusted in Jesus. So, so what scholars and commentators believe is that, is that what Peter is doing is he's taking this term that was originally attributed to God's people Israel in the Old Testament, and he is using it metaphorically to speak to all the disciples of Jesus that he is writing to. And so what we should think about this idea of chosen is is is, is when we read that word, sometimes people go, oh, I'm chosen and you are not. Or God chose me and I don't know why he chose me, but he doesn't choose other people. But that's not even really the way that this term is used throughout Scripture. In fact, if we go all the way back to like the start of God's people israel his covenant people that he made this covenant with abraham uh and and he called abram out of ur of the chaldees and in genesis chapter 12 what he tells abram he says i'm going to make of you a great and mighty nation Uh, he goes i'm going to lead you to a land i'm going to give you a land i'm going to make of you a great and mighty nation i'm going to bless you and i'm going to bless all those who bless you and i'm going to curse all those who curse you he says but through you all the world will be blessed and so when we think about chosen we can't think well i'm chosen and they're not when we think about chosen, what we have to do is we have to think about, hey, we are chosen for the sake of the world. Because that's exactly what Abraham was chosen for. He wasn't called out so that he could be protected in his family and the world be damned. It was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you and through you the whole world. Basically, God's saying, I'm going to reveal myself to you, Abraham, and to your family. And what you're going to do is you're going to be the ones who reveal me to this world. Not to say, nanana na nah, boo boo Look what God loves me and he doesn't love you. No. I want to, you to be the, the ones through whom the world knows of me. And that's exactly how Peter would be talking to the disciples there in 1 Peter. That's exactly what Paul means whenever he says chosen or elect or predestined. All those terms, it's, it's not you're chosen instead. It's you are chosen for the sake of others. You're chosen. You've been the ones who who it's been revealed to, not so that you can go look at me. You've been the one that it's been revealed to so that you can go and reveal it to others. Get back to the great commission. Jesus saying to his disciples, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, right? He's revealing to his disciples, I am the supreme authority over heaven and earth. And then he says to him, now, what's your job? To go, look, we know who the supreme authority of heaven and earth is. And we're not telling anybody. No, you go and you make disciples of me in all nations. You go tell the whole world. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter number five. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which art in heaven. It's what Peter says in Second Peter chapter number, uh, or in 1 Peter chapter number two, verses 11 and 12. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles or the nations or the various ethnicities, so that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, even though they're saying you're doing evil, you're doing wrong, they may buy your good works, which they shall see, they shall behold By your good works, they may glorify God in the day of visitation. That day of visitation is on judgment day, right? We're not to live in this world as a unique, peculiar people so that on judgment day, we're the only ones that get out of judgment unscathed. We are to live as unique, peculiar people in this world so that on judgment day, we can bring as many to to the confession that Jesus is Lord as we possibly can so chosen chosen what does this mean we're chosen for the sake of this world but we're exiles this is the other term that peter has and i want to see want y'all to see where we get this in the text so peter says peter an apostle of jesus christ to the strangers scattered that word scattered is the greek is from this greek word which does mean to scatter or disperse but what we know about god's people israel is that they were known as the people of the diaspora they were known as the people of the exile why because if you know anything about your old testament is god, uh, god 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 uh, called Abram, uh, gave him his blessed son Isaac. Then we have the patriarchs, and then and then and then Joseph, uh, through a series of events, led uh, Abram's family down into Egypt. And there they stayed in Egypt for 400 years, um, initially to escape a famine, but then they were enslaved in Egypt and then God rescued his people out of Egypt in this miraculous way. And then they, they wandered through the desert for 40 years and, and then they came into the land that God had promised them. And then, and and, and then they went and they occupied the land and, and and, and they became a a, a nation in themselves and they had, uh, kings and they had, um, a, a succession of kings, um, uh, the, the Vedic dynasty was started and, and, and we see that some of their Kings did really well in leading the people to know God, to follow God, to, to be these unique, peculiar people in this world. But some of the Kings looked just like the Kings of this world and they did not lead God's people to be unique and peculiar in this world. And, and so what happened was God sent these prophets, and he would tell the prophets, Hey, listen, you are not, you, 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 your kings are leading my people not to be unique in this world, but your kings are leading my people to be just like this world. And he was calling the kings and the priests to repent and calling the people to repent. And we know prophet after prophet after prophet was rejected, was ashamed. Many of them were killed. A lot of them were uh, imprisoned. Um, And and, and prophet after prophet, the kings and the priests and the people rejected. And so what happened was uh, the Assyrian uh, Empire came in and uh, took israel the northern kingdom captive and led them away from the land and scattered them they became exiles then we know later that the king of babylon nebuchadnezzar came into jerusalem and took people captive and scattered them people went to babylon people went to egypt people ended up actually in asia minor where peter is writing to there they became exiles they became scattered. They were the people of the diaspora. So we see these chosen exiles. Here's what we want to see about the chosen exiles. And especially about this idea of exiles today. Peter picks up on this metaphor because he wants the disciples of Jesus to know this. He wants them to know that you are foreigners. You're strangers in this. land. He also wants them to know this. Because you're foreigners, that means that you're different. Your norms are going to be different in this world. In the place where you find yourself living right now, you should be different. And if you're different, what happens? When you're different than other people, they think, oh man, you're strange, and you're a threat. You're a threat to our way of life. So, what happens? There's adversity there's hostility, there's suffering. The exile people were not just known as people who were foreign in their land, they were known as people who suffered because of their foreignness, because of their otherness, because of their being different, because of them being a threat to the way of this world. And because of that, because of that, here's here's the real punch that Peter wants to bring. And as we go throughout 1 Peter, we're really going to see this carried out. The real punch about being in exile is this. Is you are a foreigner living in a strange land. And because you are different, you're going to run into adversity, hostility, and possibly even suffering. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to endure that suffering and maintain a unique identity? Or... Are you going to assimilate to the culture? Are you gonna just become like one of the people of the land? So the real question at the end uh, that, that we should have in our minds today, and this is a question that I want us to ask ourselves is, am I willing to live as a foreigner in this land? Am I willing to be an exile? Am I willing to endure the adversity, the hostility, possibly suffering? or or do i want to make this land my own and if i want to make it my own do i assimilate to the culture do i become like this place so that's the question that we have on our hearts and our minds today are you willing to live as an exile now in the bible there's a couple of stories that we have specifically in the book of Daniel about exiled people. Daniel chapter number one is a great chapter. It's not about a diet, just so y'all know. Right? Have y'all heard about the Daniel diet? This is the biblical diet. You know, there, If you want to go find the biblical diet, well, then why don't we look at um, Acts, well, uh, Acts chapter number two. Uh, 10 where peter is uh, brought back down to him a whole bunch of unclean animals and the lord says take eat right i mean we're not looking into daniel chapter one to find the daniel diet right but in daniel it has to do with eating of the king's table and the king's meat or eating uh, or, or maintaining you know, a, a unique diet that daniel and his friends decide to maintain and it really has nothing to do with diet it has everything to do with identity are you going to sit at the king's table and are you going to eat the king's meat? Are you going to be just like all the others? Because here's what King Nebuchadnezzar wanted of those Hebrew boys. He wanted them. They were bright, brilliant young men. He wanted them to come in to assimilate to his culture so that they could work for the sake of Babylon. And this, 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 this eating the king's meat, it's a metaphor, if you will. It's an image It's a picture that we have. If you're going to eat the meat, then you're going to do all the other things. And so are you going to come in and are you going to sit at the king's table and are you going to participate in the culture that is around you or are you going to maintain a unique, peculiar identity as a Hebrew covenant chosen child of God? That's the question. We know the answer. They refused to eat the king's meat. They actually said, hey, look, let's just see. Are we, y- y'all are thinking that if we don't eat this diet, we're going to be weak and beggarly. And they said, let's put it to the test. Let us eat our diet for a while. And, 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 we'll, and then we'll measure ourselves up against those people who are eating our diet and who are eating your diet. And, it, and then they go, oh man, look, they're healthier. And so again, because we're all about diets and fads and uh, all those kinds of things, we go, oh, if you eat this diet, you're going to be the healthiest. Well, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, Are you gonna maintain your unique identity? And they said, we can maintain our unique identity and we could still live in this world with this unique identity. Chapter number three, there is this, this image erected to Nebuchadnezzar and it's erected to Nebuchadnezzar's might, his power, his, 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 his magnificent, it, it's, it's erected this, 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 huge towering image that says like Nebuchadnezzar is like, he, he, he's like next to a God. He's, he has that kind of authority, that kind of power and the children of Israel. Uh, and then there was an edict, a decree that went out that said, everybody has to bow down to this image whenever this music goes off. Now, this might offend some of our sensibilities, but let me just ask you this. Every time a song goes off in our culture, we are all told to do something. Y'all know what song talking uh, ah! Oh, say can you sing by the dawns. We are told to pledge allegiance to The United States of America. I just want to put this possibility out there that to the Hebrew children in their day, they would have gone, no. And I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just saying, let's get the images here correct. The music would go off. They were to bow and they were to exalt Nebuchadnezzar himself and his kingdom and his empire. And these three Hebrew children said, We will bow to nobody but God the Father. And he said, Bring them here and throw them into the fiery furnace and make it seven times hotter than it's ever been. And they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and we know the story. And it says that there weren't just three in the fiery furnace, there was four. And then there's that question who was that fourth man? And any good. Disciple of Jesus would say. That is a pre-incarnate image revealing. The is the uh, word. The pre-incarnate Christ was there in the fire with them. Oral Roberts, for all for all the ways that were different, he has this great message where he says, Who is the fourth man? And he goes throughout scripture and he says uh, who Jesus is in every book of the Bible. And in Daniel and the burning fiery furnace, that fourth man is Jesus, the son of God. We have these two stories from people in the exile where they were challenged as to whether or not they were going to submit and assimilate to the culture around them or whether or not they were going to maintain their unique identity. And in those two stories, we find that they maintain their unique identity. Later on in Daniel's life, Daniel was told not to pray anymore to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Daniel said, I will continue praying to the God. He was thrown into the lion's den. And he came out the other side. Now, let me just warn you. These tales where they escaped all the suffering, (laughs) the hardship, those tales were told. But Hebrews 11 tells us that many people did not get to escape the suffering. Many people were, uh, uh, were fed to the lions, they were uh, uh, sawn asunder, they, they suffered greatly. And Hebrews says of those people, we are not worthy. But here's the question, are you willing to live as a foreigner here and maintain your unique identity? Now, what does it look like for us to live as foreigners here and maintain a unique identity? For one, I'm going to say we're going to learn that throughout the book of First Peter, so I'm not going to uncover everything here today. But here's the thing that I know that I can see, I can see. First of all, we have to deal with that question. Am I finding myself at home or am I trying to make this my home? Maybe I'm trying to assimilate to the culture, or maybe I'm trying to make this culture assimilate to me, but am I trying to make this place super comfortable for me? See, a foreigner leaves their land, and whether on purpose or m- maybe because they're a refugee or maybe because they're displaced for some other reason, and they find themselves in another place, and they find themselves very uncomfortable in that place. And what most foreigners understand is that they don't have the power, the authority, the voice to actually make that place suit them. So most foreigners learn, hey, we have to become like these people if we're going to get along. And some cultures say, unless you become like us, you're not welcome here. In fact, in the Greco-Roman world, they had Hellenism. And Hellenism was this program um, for a sprawling empire, it was this program to bring Greco-Roman culture to every uh, province that Rome ruled over. So they said, if you're going to be part of the Roman society, you are going to assimilate to our culture. You're gonna become like us. Now, here's the thing. Are we willing to live like foreigners? And, and, and And then if I think about this question we can get into the weeds about all this, but very simply, one thing that I see happening in our culture right now is you have to choose a side. You have to pick a team. You have to find your tribe. And once you do, you better be nasty to those who are not part of that tribe. You better, you better snarl. You better have snark. You better have sarcasm. You better have a lot of judgment going on against them. And whenever I listen to Jesus and I hear Jesus say, hey, listen, let's not go around and be in this world as the little judges of everybody else. Let's not go pointing out everybody else's faults. Let's look into our own hearts. Let's look into our own eyes. Let's see if there's not just a speck, but a beam possibly in our own eyes. Whenever I see that, then I think, hey, look, we can be unique in this world if we stop playing the game. And stop living into this cultural demand that we have to go judge everybody. You have to point out everybody else's faults and failures. And I strongly believe that as Christians, we have this, uh, we've, we've been taught this or we have this intuition that it's my job to point out everybody else's wrongs. But whenever I hear Jesus and he says, don't go just point out people's wrongs. He says, pay attention to what's going on with yourself. And I think about that in the culture, in the context of the church at large. Then I think, are we to be here and just to be pointing out to everybody else their wrongs? Or are we here to be reproving ourselves? Making ourselves uh, sanctified, obedient, obedient. Making ourselves clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. I find today that everybody has is pointing out where everybody else is doing it wrong. Or where they perceive everybody else is doing it wrong. And then we are felt, well, I gotta have a voice, I gotta say something about it. And I would say one of the ways that we can maintain a unique identity where we can be foreigners in this world is like whenever they brought that woman who was caught in the act of adultery and they said, Jesus, shouldn't it we stone her? And Jesus said, okay, well, yeah, we can. But which one of you is going to start? And, and, and by the way, let me ask you this as a caveat. Which one of you has not done anything wrong? Which one of you has your act together? See, instead of having to give the answer as to, well, well, they're wrong and this is why and blah, 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 why don't we just be the ones who say, hey, you know what? I know this. I do wrong and Jesus loves me. I fall short. And by God's grace, every morning, I have breath in my lungs. What if in the church, we were the people who were not proclaiming judgment, judgment, judgment on everybody, but proclaiming forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness to all. After all, wasn't that what was proclaimed to us? When was it proclaimed to you? When What I do know we're going to find throughout Peter is the disciples are spoken evil against. The disciples of Jesus in the book of 1 Peter are spoken evil against. And Peter never once says, now you go speak evil against them. But what we found there in chapter 2, verse 11, is let them speak evil against you and you continue doing good. You don't need to go pronounce the judgment on everybody else. You need to live the life that you've been called to live in Christ. And guess what? Your life will serve as judgment. Your life will reveal to them. How? Let's just think about this practically. Somebody is mean, nasty, cruel to you. And instead of you being mean, nasty, cruel to them back, you say, hey, you find them in a, in a hardship and you help them. You know what that does to that person? It doesn't kill them with kindness. It opens their eyes. And I was really hurtful to that person and they chose not to be hurtful to me. And what it has the power to do is to transform that person. Hey, maybe I should stop being such a nasty so-and-so to everybody. Then maybe I should maybe I should have some better thinking about people My brothers and my sisters the question that we have is are we willing to live for foreign, as foreigners in this land? I think in our land everybody is out to judge people To condemn them to tell why this world is in this shape. It's in this shape because of them and them and them in the church, we've been been—we've been one of the, oh, we've looked like the culture so much in the church. It's them, it's them, it's them. You know why this world is like this? It's because of all those people out there. And then the church began to be exposed. Oh wait, a lot of those pastors who were saying it's all about them and those ladies who, who wear you know those certain clothes and the guys who do those certain things, a lot of those pastors were doing that and worse. A lot of those priests were doing that and worse. And we have this time where we're we're being called to be chosen exiles and we can go, hey, maybe instead of pointing out everything that we think is wrong in this world, we just start seeing what's wrong in us and we start cleaning it up. We start living our lives in 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 the way that Jesus lived his life. And maybe... If we stop participating in all the harsh condemnation that the world is participating in, even at this very hour, we can be a light and people will see our good works and they will glorify our father, which is in heaven. That's my supposition. I believe we're gonna see it throughout first Peter Y'all stay on the journey, but today I wonder are we willing to live? Are we willing to live as foreigners in this country where you might have been born? In this land that has brought you so much opportunity? In this place where you love? I mean, I really deeply love this place. Are we willing to choose to live as exiles for the sake of? Not of ourselves, but for the sake of his name. That's the question. Will you bow with me? Will you talk to God about what God's talking to you about this morning? Maybe there's some specific things as, as we were, as, as, as the message was being sounded, and, and specific ways in which you could go, man, this is just me living just like this culture. And I don't know what it is for you. There's probably a bunch of different things that we could say or maybe there was some some ways in which you were like man I it's it's hard for me because I identify so much as this And I don't know if I can stop stop wanting to identify myself in this way Maybe god just has has opened your eyes to something and, and, and and it's challenged you and you're I know this Sometimes I hear things and i'm like, I don't like that and instead of just being quiet about it, how about you talk to God and go, God, I don't know that I like this. And maybe just even having that humble ask, God, God, is this is this what I need to hear? And how do I need to apply this to my life Lord? Maybe you find that you have such a spirit of judgment and condemnation And it has felt so right for so long. And today, the Lord is saying, man, let's be free of that. Whatever God's talking to you about today, I'm going to invite you at this time just to spend some time alone with him. Talk to him about it. If you need to pray with somebody, I'm here. I'll pray with you. Or or I can direct you to somebody else who can pray with you. Let's just spend the next few minutes talking to God. Seeing Seeing how we can apply his word to our life.